Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network, coming to you from West Palm Beach, where the Miami Heat are hosting their training camp this week. We've been out here all week. We'll continue to be. But before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is AutoNation, the largest auto retailer from coast to coast. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, and that means Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. If you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop on a nation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles, all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price guaranteed. You want to get rid of that old car and turn it into cash today? Get a top dollar offer and a check the very same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. Here's what you need to do. This is necessary. DM me over at Five Reason Sports. That's the number five Reason Sports, if you prefer, at Ethan J. Skolnick, you can do that too. But I will give an AutoNation senior manager your information so they can reach out to you directly, walk you through the entire buying process. We've already had some people do this. They've had great success with it. Look, you don't want to deal with just any salesperson you meet. You want to work with somebody who knows exactly what they're doing, get you the right car. So this is a special promotion from Five Reason Sports. So DM me at Five Reason Sports. And now, on to our episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here from West Palm Beach. We just left Kaiser University, a little loud there in the gym, and people didn't want us talking in the press room. So we decided to leave to uh, the security of my hotel. And I'm here today with Zach Buckley. If you're not familiar with Zach, you can follow him at Zach Buckley NBA. That's an H, not a K. Make sure you get that right. Zach is going to be working with us on a number of platforms. He's covered the NBA and the Heat for quite a while. You've probably read his work over at Bleacher Report. He's been up at the Palm Beach Post and some other places. And Zach is also going to be uh, not just uh, on this podcast with us, going to be writing for 5 com and also our new site over at Heat Maven, which is affiliated with Sports Illustrated. I'm managing that site, so we'll have a lot of new content there just about every day. So make sure you bookmark that as well. Nobody's going to cover the Heat with more people than we are at Five Reasons Sports. So we're going to get to some of the things that happened today in a minute. But you wrote a piece, Zach, for Heat Maven and for Five Reasons Sports about the guys that you don't hear about so much at the beginning of camp because we're all focused on what the rotation is going to be, who the starters are going to be. But the Heat have a developmental history. And you're focusing on some of the guys who could, you know, sort of figure into the future. Might not be this season. Might not be to the second half of next season. But it might be the next guy, the next Ronnie Magruder, the next Tyler Johnson, hopefully without that contract, the, the next Hassan Whiteside, hopefully without that attitude. Uh, who are some of the guys that you focused on today? Yeah, so, you know, there's six of them in the mix, uh, possibly for, for one of two two-way contracts at some point. Uh, the first thing that's going to jump out to Miami fans, and they're going to recognize it, is Davon Reed, uh, product of the Hurricanes, somebody who Eric Spolster said uh, that he had been following for quite some time. 
you know, 40% three-point shooter uh, over his career down in Miami. Uh, I think he's got a seven-foot wingspan for a guard. So I think you can, you can see some multi-positional versatility at the defensive end, maybe a guy who would grow into that three and D mold. You know, not much of a shot creator, but, uh, hey, if you're going to develop somebody out of nowhere, this guy could step in, play some defense, make some shots. He could have an impact down the line. And then a name people probably might remember from summer league is Chris Silva, uh, defensive big man out of South Carolina. Uh, in fact, all SEC, excuse me, all SEC uh, defensive selection this is last year. You know, he's a little undersized, six foot nine. I know even in the modern NBA, size does matter when you don't have an outside game. Right now, he doesn't. Uh, but he showed, you know, he was a decent uh, free throw shooter in college. He hit a couple threes, didn't take many. But, uh, you know, if he could expand his outside game, maybe you've got, uh, you know, the makings of a, a small ball big down the line. He, he works hard. He's athletic. Uh, he sort of seems like he fits uh, the Miami Heat mold in that regard. So, you know, we'll see where his uh, skills develop. Well, and that's one of the things that this team has lacked. They've developed a, a lot of wings, and they've de- they've had a history of developing point guards. So, you know, you go, I mean, look, I'm watching Anthony Carter on the court today. I mean, that's a guy that they developed way back and ended up playing a role for them for a while. You look at a guy like Mike James, who ended up playing a long time in the NBA. So they've developed point guards. I mean, Patrick Beverly was the second-round pick who they should have kept. But what they haven't really developed lately is a lot of bigs. Like, I mean, UD is still on the roster, right? And we gave him his, this is UD shirt. And by the way, we'll get to that before the end of this podcast. But uh, Yante Maton was a guy they looked at for a little while. Didn't really work out. I go to a guy like Ken Birch. Remember him? He ended up in Orlando and you know he's played in the league a little bit, but it's been hard for them. I mean, even uh, Showtime Reed a couple of years ago. I mean, so they, they've gotten some productivity out of guys, but they've also had Mikel Gladness and they've had uh, some guys who just kind of went through the system, but never really made a contribution. Uh, they need to find some additional bigs. I mean, even on the current roster, they don't have that many bigs, right? You've got Bam, you've got Kelly, you've got Myers, and who knows if how long Kelly's going to be here. So th- they need to develop players at those positions. The one guy you didn't mention, because I don't even think we need to mention him anymore, is Kendrick Nunn. And I was watching him today. He's working, he was working on shooting drills with Dion, uh, Justice, and Myers Leonard. And he was holding his own with all of them. And so I, I, to me, Kendrick Nunn is already, that's already a success story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, I was watching those shooting drills, too. I was really impressed with his stroke. Uh, this is a guy Pat Riley called, I think, a German Shepherd. Uh, when I asked Kendrick about that, he said, dead on. You know, K-9, he said, that's it. Yeah, that's his mentality. That's what he brings to the court, toughness. Uh, you know, but I think looking back at his college numbers, I think uh, at Oakland his senior year, it was something like 25-5. and five. So he's got uh, a pretty nice offensive game, you see, with that outside shot. So, uh, look, he's confident. Um, I think he's... I uh, wouldn't be surprised himself if, if he got a rotation spot this season already. I think that's, that's what his mindset is. And, and again, um, you know, I'll probably say this a lot today talking about the guys that, that we talk to, but um, he's a Miami Heat player. He, he wants to come in. He wants to work. He wants to grind. And I think when you've got that, uh, that, that approach, you throw on some offensive skills on top of it, that, that could be something interesting. Well, he's similar to some of the guys they've developed before where he really shouldn't have been available to them. It, it, the history of their developmental guys, you look at a guy like Tyler Johnson, they liked him before the draft. He had a terrible Portsmouth camp, terrible. Uh, one of the worst players there. And they were happy about it. 
you talk to Adam Simon and Chet Kammerer, that's what they wanted because they wanted him to slip through the cracks. And he ultimately did. And they picked him up. And we can talk about the contract with Tyler. But the reality is they found a player that who was a contributor to them for a couple of years at the very least. You know, you look at some of the other guys. I, I, I look at Kendrick Nunn a little like I look at Preston Williams with the Dolphins. Kendrick Nunn had an issue in college, which caused the transfer, which he doesn't really love to talk about. But it's in the past. It's a few years ago. And... I don't think that Kendrick Nunn would have been undrafted if not for that. Because if you look at a guy talking to Kendrick and we're going to run, I don't know if it'll be this pod, but one of these, one of these pods, we're going to run an interview we did with him on media day. If if you look at what Kendrick does to have a guy in the modern NBA who can play both spots and shoot it and is aggressive at shooting it. uh, That's what you're looking for. Guys who can shoot the ball off the dribble at that position. That's not always what you're looking for, but it's what you're looking for now. So I I think he could sneak in on a rotation spot. I think a lot of it has to do with how they're using Justice. If Justice is a full-time point guard and Goran is kind of a full-time point guard, there aren't a lot of minutes at that spot. But I could see Kendrick playing with either guy. That's the thing, because I think Kendrick can pick up. One of the things that impressed me, I was at Summer League. I think I saw four of their games in Vegas live. One of the things that impressed me about, about Kendrick, Zach, was uh, defensively, he gets up in you, and he does it for 94 feet. And they haven't really had that guy since Norris Cole, who did that when Norris first came in. And so if he does that, it's not even so much about the shooting. If he does that, he's going to play. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another guy who maybe comes to mind is a Briante Weber, who approached it the very same way. Uh, but, you know, Briante wasn't bringing the same uh, tools, toolbox to the offensive end, right? That's the, you know, we, they never could find a role for him on the offensive end. So he really couldn't play, but uh, yeah, like you said, you know, if he can guard both uh, backcourt positions, it just increases the versatility it increases the way Spolster is going to be able to use him. And they've got a ton of moving parts in that backcourt. Um, you know, you look at all the combinations you could have. If, if, if Dion's healthy, if Tyler hero makes uh, you know a quick transition, like you said, Goran, Justice Factor, and in there. So there's a lot of different ways that, that Spolster can mix this up, and, and I think it's pretty easy to see how none could factor in there. Yeah, and that's the big difference between this year and last year was they had all these guys playing the two, but I felt like they couldn't play together. <laughs> you couldn't play Dwayne with Dion. You couldn't uh, – Dion and Tyler was not a great combination. You know, you, you had, you know, Goran and, and Dwayne made it work over the years, but that was always awkward with their two games. I don't think like that's an issue this year. In fact, I think the toughest combination is going to be Justice and Dion, but some will say it's Justice and Goran, but I, I think, I think Goran will, I believe that Goran will kind of facilitate making it work in a way that maybe Dion might not, particularly if Dion's feeling good physically, which he appears to be. But there are a ton of combinations, and there's also combinations based on where Derek Jones Jr. is going to play. And, you know, because Derek Jones Jr. can play some two also, but he can play all the way up to four. So there's a lot of flexibility that they have at those positions. But I do think none forces his way on the court. The way I look at the developmental program, I think Duncan Robinson's a good example of this. The first year of their guys they develop, particularly the two-way guys, is always, okay, maybe he'll sneak some minutes in here somewhere. It's that next year that typically... Anthony Carter was an exception because they had a desperate need at the point guard position behind Tim Hardaway, and Tim kept getting hurt. And then if you remember, the series that Grant Hill got hurt that ruined his career was also the series Tim Hardaway missed because Anthony Carter ended up starting all three games. They went 3-0 and in that series. He had to play right away. Ronnie Magruder played a lot that first year because they kind of had a need at that position. Um, and they had some injuries and, and there was a role for him. 
But I, I, I think none might force his way in a little bit sooner than Duncan Robinson and others did because they don't really, he's not a true point either, but I feel like he, watching him at Summer League, there were more instincts there than I think you typically see for a guy who moves from the two um, over the one. All right, we're going to go through some of these other players first, but I want to touch on Justice a little bit because I had some time alone with him today. Unfortunately, I am awful with audio in every conceivable way, as bad as I am in photography. And I would not recommend getting a new iPhone uh, X because I, I don't I mean for what I paid for this and it's garbled so I will try to translate this for you and write a column off of it because it's not usable on the podcast but I had about seven minutes alone with Justice I was watching Justice's shooting he was making everything he was making everything from 30 feet and the release looks different to me it looks quicker now he and people and when I put it on Twitter they compared it to D'Angelo Russell that he's got a little, a little D-Lo in there. Uh, when I talked to Justice about it, I, he didn't say the release was that much quicker, but he, he did say, and again, I'm going to try to translate this the best I can, that he did some tweaking to it. Um, I don't think he did a dramatic overhaul to it. I think the biggest thing with him is confidence. And I said to Justice, I said, you never like to talk about your shooting. That was your big issue. When we would ask about shooting two years ago, he'd shut down questions. P- PR staff would come to us and say, what do you want to talk to Justice about? Well, his shooting. He didn't want to talk about that. He wants to talk about his shooting now. He gave me a big smile when he talked about his shooting. And 38% the last two years, he doubled his volume. He looked me straight in the face today and he says, I want to double it again. He says, now I may not be able to because I want to get other guys involved. But he wants to. He he wants now. If you're talking doubling again, that's seven eight attempts a game. I don't think he's going to get to that. But I think he could get to five and still have pretty good volume, uh, pretty good accuracy there. And you know, again, he said he wants to set other guys up. But I said, is it fair to call you a sniper now? And he says, you can call me a sniper. That that confidence level for him, and it's not just the spot up stuff. It's the pull up stuff that we're going to see more this year, particularly in transition. Maybe with Jimmy running it in transition, which I know Christian Hernandez has been on our pod, has been pushing that, that Jimmy's so good pushing in transition. What did you, you were watching Justice a little bit today. What do you see? I mean, honestly, I was borderline blown away uh, by, by just like you said, the confidence, uh, how quickly he gets that off. And he kind of held the follow through just a little bit, not, not even like a technical uh, move or adjustment. It was almost just like, you know, I got this. Like, this is fine in the net. I remember, I, I just told somebody the other day, I remember watching Justice warm up. It was probably his first or second year. You know, and I tell people, when, when you get in that, that empty arena, that, that pregame arena, and nobody's around, no defense is there, NBA players seem like they shoot 80, 85%. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I watched Justice shooting by himself, no one in there, and he airballed everything. I mean, it was one shot, but you don't see airballs with no defense warmups. So just... You look at the strides he's made, I think, finishing at the basket, which was an issue early. And now, like you said, taking that shot outside, you know, that's what you kind of wondered the last couple of years is, can he sustain this if he, if he really amps up the volume? Because, uh, you know, a three, you know, one, one, three every game, I don't know how much that moves the needle. I don't know how much defenses react to that. But like you said, you get that up to five, six attempts, maybe he's got two, three makes a game. Now you're looking at a different player. And you're looking at a different team. Because one of the things that stuck out to me, we did our five issues at training camp, and one of the issues was shooting. Do they have enough shooting? Do they have enough spacing? Eric on media day said flat out, we have enough spacing. Like, I mean, he was very confident about that. And I'm watching Dion and Justice. Again, empty gym. I get it. No, you know, not empty gym, but no defense. I'm watching Justice and Dion and Myers Leonard 
and Tyler Harrow today. And I'm thinking they might have enough shooting, particularly, you know, in, uh, if you heard our last pod, the one I did with Goran yesterday, where Goran says he's more comfortable now shooting off the dribble than he is as a spot up three, which he said was always the opposite. But now he, with jo- with Goran, it's always, and I think Heat fans can envision this. It's that little pull up that he does with a ball. You know, it's, 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 it's very signature Goran, right? You can see it. He's gotten much quicker with that and much more comfortable with that. So if you have a situation where Goran ultimately ends up as the sixth man of this team and he's running that unit and he's pulling up threes, you know, against, you know, weaker defenders that he's going to face probably going against second units. So if you have Goran, if you have Harrow, if you have none perhaps as a contributor, as a good three-point shooter, if you have a Linnick coming back, you have Leonard. Derek Jones Jr. says that, you know, he feels comfortable in a shot now. Now, I, I said when we had Derek on last year, I said if you, if you can just get to 35%, it doesn't have to be 40. Just get to 35% with his level of athleticism. You're starting to see, is it, look, is it Mike Miller, Shane Battier, James Jones, you know, <laughs> you know, Ray Allen? No. Mario Chalmers? I mean, that you had a group there where you had five, six guys who could shoot 38% from three, and they were being set up by two of the greatest playmakers of all time. And Chris Bosh then ended up adding to that as another guy. But I think they may have enough shooting. Like, I, I don't think it's as big a concern even though their best player, Jimmy Butler, is not a great three-point shooter. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. Um, I was watching, uh, in fact, Derek Jones shoot a little bit today and, and was impressed with his stroke, too. Like I said, I, I don't know how many just knockdown snipers there are, but you don't necessarily need that. If you can get the floor space with three, even four shooters at a time, you know, maybe you spread it out around BAM, you're, you're not going to get a lot of outside shooting there. But yeah, there's not a lot of guys you look at on that team and you think like, no, that's that's definitely a dead spot in terms of spacing. There's a lot of guys with possibilities. We don't know what they're going to do with those chances. You know, we don't know what their growth is. But uh, honestly, I think if you look at offensively, I almost wonder if if playmaking might be the bigger concern than shooting. Just I don't know how many natural uh, distributors there are, table setter guys. You know, a lot of their guards are going to be scoring guards. They got a lot of guys who can do it. It's, it's sort of like I guess the shooting in that sense that. I don't know if there's necessarily a go-to guy. I'm sure they'll spin, you know, the Heat will spin that as a good thing and, and say, you know, the defenses don't know where it's coming from. You know, we can go from all angles. I, I wonder, you know, kind of who's going to take that step back and embrace maybe more of a passing mentality. Uh, and that's, you know, maybe that's something where Justice's development as a shooter makes it easier for him to play. I think he might he might be the most natural passer. I think if you're just looking at it. As a, yeah, yeah, he is. And one of the other things I talked to Justice about today was Dwayne. And, and I said, the, the biggest thing I noticed in your growth last year wasn't necessarily the shooting. It was that you look like you were playing at your own pace, which was very much Dwayne. And look, Justice and Dwayne have a lot of similarities. The other thing Justice and I talked about was that Dwayne, Justice is an old head. He likes old music. He likes chilling out of his place. Dwayne's an old head in a lot of ways. Like they really connected in that way. But the one thing Justice talked about with, with that was he says Dwayne really worked with him on that, on the game slowing down. Like, let everybody else go faster. I'm going to play where I want to play. There's a big difference with Justice the second half of last season. I, I think the conversation we had with Eric about Jimmy was uh, on, on our podcast was Jimmy, you know, he, he, I said, Jimmy's not a high usage guy for a star. He's really not like you. I don't know how familiar people are with usage rates, but basically it says, you know, it, it is what it says. It's, it's how many, what percentage of possessions the player is, is sort of has the ball in his hands to make a play. And Jimmy is kind of mid to low, low to mid twenties. Whereas most stars, I mean, Russell Westbrook and James Harden are high thirties, right? Jimmy is not that. 
I think they want him. R- Riley said in response to my question on media day or, or, you know, that he or, or previous when the, the Jimmy signing day that he wants Jimmy to be more aggressive and go get it a lot of the time. But I think Spolster views Jimmy as a playmaker, a little bit like LeBron light and says he's a very underrated playmaker. So I think the playmaking may come from him um, in talking to, to, to justice about Jimmy and where their games fit. He mentioned defense first. They're going to be able to switch everything. They're going to be aggressive on everything, but offensively, you know, he feels both of them can make plays for each other. I, I think we could talk about a lot of the combinations on this team, but the, the on-court rapport between Jimmy and justice is critical. And again, if justice is going to shoot high thirties and make five, six threes, it makes life a lot easier for Jimmy. Cause I think there's enough proof at this point that Jimmy's not going to be a high 33 point shooter. It's just not his game. But justice is still growing there. We'll get to more from today's practice and the week right after this ad from our great friend, Jason Jackson, who was up at camp today. All right. There are a lot of events in South Florida that you got to go to. But if you can only pick one. Yeah, come on now. This is the one. I'm with Jason Jackson. You know him as the Jack Show. <laughs> the third year of this event. I don't want to disparage the guys that you roasted before. It shouldn't. But there's one three. Yeah. So what do you got going on? Jack Celebrity Roast Volume 3, 4-3. Like, this was always in the making, all the way back to when we started in 2016 with Irie first and then uh, Jason Taylor. But uh, on October 12th at uh, One Hotel uh, South Beach, we are roasting Dwayne Way. We've got Chris Spencer, Razor Davis, um, Jimmy Butler on the podium, as well as Udonis Haslam. I'm giving you a breaking story. It's not fully confirmed, but uh, we'll all be together on October 12th. Everybody can get tickets to jackscelebrityroast.com. Uh, do not bring your mother, your faith healer, or your kids. Sounds like a plan. So where do they go again? Where do they get it? Jackcelebrityroast.com. Buy your tickets now. There aren't many left. All right. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here with Zach Buckley on day three of Miami Heat training camp. Going to be up here the next couple of days. Scrimmage is on Sunday. Make sure you check out fivereasonsports.com for all coverage of this. Also, as I mentioned, Heat Maven is a great place to go. And check out our merch page, too, because we now have a Tyler Harrow shirt, which he wants us to get, a Udonis Haslam shirt, which I gave to UD today. He told me it probably wasn't big enough. I got him 2XL. I don't know. <laughs> okay. UD weighs like 180 pounds now. Okay. So I don't have, he's, he's like the lightest, most in shape guy on that team. Uh, we have a Jimmy Butler shirt, two Jimmy Butler shirts, one in Spanish and one in English. Uh, and then we have a, uh, a heat process or, or basically a bleep the process shirt that the Dolphins think is about them, but it's actually about the Sixers. Let's get to the bigs here a little bit. No Kelly Olenek for a little while. Uh, Myers Leonard is making friends, man. He's part of this 3 a.m. crew. He never stops talking. Uh, we like Myers for that. He had that breakout game in his last game with Portland that I think gave everybody kind of an indication of what he could be. If everything breaks right for this team and everybody is healthy and nobody is traded, who plays next to Bam Adebayo to start? And who plays most next to Bam Adebayo? It's a great question. Um, Myers Leonard, I think, is interesting. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, he's a guy that sort of the, the advanced analytics crowd has really liked at different points of his career. When you look at sort of that, that original definition of what, what a, a unicorn big man was, right? It was blocking shots and it was making outside shots. He does that. He does both of those things. He's got more athleticism than you think uh, for, for being that size. Uh, they were doing a little drill where it was kind of a shot fake and a drive and finish. I mean, he's getting his head above the rim. Like, he's got some hops. He's got some ups. Uh, but, you know, he was in Portland. His, his minutes fluctuated while he was there. Some of that is just due to, I think, the, the roster construction. Uh, they, they sort of ended up kind of overcrowding the front court a little bit with him when you, when you got uh, Yusuf Nurkic and, and Zach Collins. So, you know, was it a consistency with him? You know, is, is there something that we're going to learn maybe that uh, – Less is more with him down the road. Maybe, maybe that's something that Portland discovered. I guess, you know, we'll wait and see. Um, Kelly, you know, I think Kelly's got a little more comfort with the ball. He's got some ball skills. You know, the, the, the worry there is defense uh, in terms of, you know, being able to switch on the perimeter, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I think Heat fans are going to love all these small ball lineups that they can go to. Mm-hmm. Just the defensive versatility, the pace that they're going to have. Um, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be shocked if this isn't a top five defense. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like that's the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, this this should be one of the very best defenses in the league. So I wonder if Spo leans a little bit toward, um, you know, small ball, at least in closing time. I think opening, you probably see more of a traditional look. Um, yeah, I, I guess we're going to wait and see kind of what, what the gap is between Myers and Kenny or excuse me, Kelly, because I'm not sure it's necessarily that that that's big. Yeah, I don't know that it is either. And we've got to think of the best of Kelly Olenek, right? So the best of Kelly Olenek from a couple of years ago was the dribble handoff stuff, you know, making 36 to 38% from three. He does go through these peaks and valleys there a little bit. Now, his ability to create, I think, is better than Myers's, And the ability to run offense through him is better. But I, I think potentially Myers is, as you said, you know, potentially better at protecting the rim, potentially better as a rebounder. Uh, Kelly plays well with Bam. So we have to see what that looks like with Myers Leonard. To me, everything about the front court this year has to be about who's going to make Bam the best he can be because he's the player with the highest upside in their front court. He's the future. So whether it is playing with his buddy DJJ and them just being long and athletic and switching everything defensively or whether it's playing with more of a pure shooter, if, if Derrick Jones Jr. can get to 35 to 36%, he can play a lot of four next to Bam. Because I don't think Bam's quite ready to be that shooter. I think he'll get there, but I don't think he's, he's not Chris Bosh yet. You know, that's, that's who he's modeling himself after if he's not there yet. But both those guys are interesting. Now, we've kind of taken James Johnson out of the equation right now because we still haven't seen him. I don't love him next to Bam, to be honest, because he's not a great spot-up three-point shooter. Uh, he gives them some toughness, but he doesn't give them rebounding. I mean, he, he went through long stretches last year, but he didn't rebound. Now, I thought if he was healthier and in better condition, that maybe he'd be able to do that, but so far, not in better condition. So we don't know. So that's the other question. You, before we close here, you raise an interesting point, something we're going to cover on future podcasts. It's not always who you start with, it's who you finish with. That's the most interesting question on this team. 
Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler are going to be on the court at the end of games. My question is, who are the other two going to be? Right? Because there are a lot of options there. Because you say Goran, and it could be Goran on nights he's going good, but there were nights that Goran hasn't, even when he's been the starting point guard, has not been on the floor at the end of games. It could be Dion if he's not disrupting the flow of the offense and he's feeling good. But if he's having one of those nights, it might not be Dion, right? I think that the wild card, the guy who's going to be on the floor at the end of games more than people expect is Derek Jones Jr. I think he'll be out there somewhere. I, I, if, if he continues to progress defensively the way that he did last year, he's the card they're kind of holding back right now. I don't feel they're talking him up quite as much, but it's like – he is what maybe Winslow was a couple of years ago, where he's the guy that's going to be out there. I think he's probably one of the five. Now, they're going to need um, one more spacer out there. Maybe by halfway through the season, it's Tyler Harrow. <laughs> I don't know. But that's an interesting question. I mean, would you agree it's going to be Justice Bam and Jim? I mean, it's going to be Jimmy. We know that. But, like, it's going to be Justice Bam and Jimmy is three of the five. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's where Justice is – offensive development is going to be so critical in terms of who they can put around them and who they'll need to put around them. I think if he's ready, if he's, if he's shooting the way he thinks he's going to shoot and we think he could shoot, mm-hmm. uh, then I don't think necessarily, you know, maybe you decide you don't need Goran as much because mm-hmm. you're going to give back defensively if, if you're going to go with him. Right. Like you said, Dion's the wild card. We'll see. Those three are locked in. And I'm with you that, that Derek Jones Jr. is a name I was going to say. I think if they're going to lean towards anything, I think Spolster's going to lean towards defense, maximizing his defense. Mm-hmm. And if you you think you have, for sure, one closer in Jimmy, mm-hmm. if Justice can sort of be that secondary option, then, then I think that opens up a lot in terms of, you know, let, let's bring in as many defenders as we can. Like you said, Arrow <laughs> maybe to space the floor eventually. But, but, yeah, I think those three are locked in. And, you know, we'll see uh, how the other two fell out here. And, and I don't want to forget Kelly because Kelly's had some moments, you know, uh, playoff moments so when it was with Boston where I mean, he's proven he can be big in those situations. But I always think they, that he's going to lean defense. And, and Eric's had so much talk and he's so enthusiastic about the different combinations. And, and, and the modern NBA is about switching. It's about switching. And, you know, that's – I mean, the – you know, the teams that gave Golden State trouble were the teams that could switch against them, you know, like Houston used to. And I thought Houston losing a couple of their defenders really hurt them there. But you have to be able to switch everything. And I th- and, and if, you, if you're putting out there Derek Jones Jr., Jimmy Butler, and Justice Winslow, and Bam Adebayo, that's four of your five. You can switch absolutely. It doesn't matter who the fifth guy is then at all. But, may, but if it's Dion, it's a solid defender you know, provided that he's in shape and he's engaged. And I think he will be with this group. So just a lot of possibilities. I think that's why there are two reasons I think people are kind of excited about this team. I think one is because there are just so many possibilities and they don't feel, you don't feel like you're stuck like you were last year. And then ultimately it was, all right, Dwayne, just save us at your farewell season. Like there was just nowhere else to go. I feel like that's part of it. But I also think like the enthusiasm I've noticed that the two days I've been at camp, like these guys seem to really enjoy each other. Now that could change after one bad West Coast trip. But for right now, it feels like that. All right, you can find him at Zach Buckley NBA. As I mentioned, Heat Maven will have exclusive content there. The difference between us and everybody else, all of it's free. So check it out. If you want to advertise with us, we're taking uh, spots for the entire season right now. So just reach out again, DM Five Reasons Sports. We'll find a place for you. Also, check out Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. 
Um, that's our, that's one of our great uh, sponsors that we actually work with, share an office with. They will handle your traffic ticket for $49.95 or up. They got mine tossed out recently. They handle cases from all over the state. They got someone on call 24-7. So it's onecalllegal.com, onecalllegal.com. We have so much content backed up right now that it doesn't even matter that I keep screwing up the audio. So we'll, <laughs> we'll give you that. I think I'm going to write a justice column, Zach. Anyway, thanks for being with us. Ethan Skolnick back here for the Five on the Floor podcast and the Five Reasons Sports Network here with Alphonse Sydney and the rest of our crew. And we're joined by Kelly Olenek. And I just want to start here with you. Last year, you come here to Miami a couple years ago and it filled like it was a clear role and created a lot of offense for you, the dribble handoff stuff, and it felt like you really kind of moved forward. Last year, because of circumstances, maybe, it wasn't as clear from beginning to end of the season. Do you go into this year for feeling good about where you're going to fit in this process when you get healthy, of course? Yeah, I mean, I think last year was a weird year for not just me, but our team. It was like up and down, people sliding in and out. Um, We never really got into a great rhythm, you know, individually and as a team. And I think... uh, no, last year ended on a, on a pretty good note for for me, and um, you know, I think that coming in this year, I think we have a little more, um, I guess, like definition of you know, know what we need from from everybody, and I think you know hopefully we can go into that and uh, you know make the most of it. That's what I observed seeing that team last year. It seemed like you had a lot of guys playing the same position. You had a lot of guys in and out with injuries. This year, it just looks on paper like there's again a clear role for you. But you, you played very well with Bam. The numbers with the two of you together are really good. There's a need for a four on this team who can space the floor. How do you see that relationship on the court developing with Bam, and why do you think the two of you have had success together? I think our games just complement each other really well. Um, you know, Bam's an easy guy to play with. <laughs> uh, you know, he plays super hard on both ends of the floor. You know, works his tail off, and. Uh, you know, he can, he can you know, he plays, you know, he played four, five, do whatever. Um, you know, he pulls the basket, finishes, lobs, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he can also handle the ball in the river, you know, make plays, um, you know, in, in the dribble handoff game, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, he's, he's crafty like that. And then defensively, he can guard basically one through five. So We saw him against Steph last year. Yeah, he makes, he makes it really easy on, on our team defensively. Um, you know, you can trap ball screens, guard wing, um, switch on balls, do whatever. So I think for, for me, I mean, it makes it my job a lot easier when you know, he can guard everyone yeah. and you can guard the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> so with Hassan uh, leaving this summer, um, on paper, it looks like rebounding and maybe rim protection may be an issue with this team. Do you feel pressure on yourself now to step up as far as rim protection and rebounding as well? Do you feel like that's going to fall, a lot of that's going to fall on your shoulders? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a team thing. You know, obviously, we got you know, it's a couple bigger wings now with Jimmy and um, you know, other guys coming in. Um, I mean, obviously, Bam's going to be in there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, rebounding will definitely be a focus, uh, focus this year. Um, 
you know, on, on both ends of the floor. But, you know, rim protection, that's, I mean, obviously it's, it's something that's, that's there. Um, but, it, you know, rim protection is kind of a, you know, a thing where if you don't let them get to the rim, then you don't protect <laughs> <laughs> So that's how Jimmy adjusts his face. Hopefully they're not getting full, full sprints to the rim every play. Or else, I don't know, it might be. <laughs> it might be a long season. Yeah, it might be a long season. <laughs> well, similarly to that, I mean, you know, on paper, people would look at this team and say, okay, spacing. Like, are there enough shooters on this team? And, and you know, I know Goran has had really good runs for three. Like Justin's been at 38% the last two years. You obviously can shoot the three. Tyler was brought in to shoot the three. Do you want to take more this year? And, and do you think that you can get into more of a rhythm from three this year now that your role may be more defined than it was last season? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, you want to take more to make more. Um, you don't want to just take shots. You want to make shots, too. Um, but, yeah, I think you know, spacing, you know, poor spacing, you know, taking and making threes is huge in, in today's NBA. And, you know, you have to be able to do it. And you have to have guys on your team that can do it. And you have to have the threat of it, um, you know, to open up things for everybody else. And so, you know, that's definitely a, a key for us um, is, you know, putting people to shoot, shoot out there and uh, make shots and take take shots and make shots and I think you know for me that's definitely a goal is to, to keep keep growing at that um, every aspect how, how odd was this off season because it was pretty clear that the Heat were making a run at Jimmy right. they were making a run at Jimmy for a year <laughs> you guys you guys went into camp last year and they were making a run at Jimmy and it kind of I felt like in some ways it hung over the franchise a little bit last year because there was some indecision about who was going to be here or not Right. and then this off season they make another run at Jimmy and yours was one of the names there were a lot of names not not just yours but a lot of names Goran's name was out there other guys who were still here what were those days like did you think that maybe you might be on the move somewhere else because you, yeah, you were I mean, in those uh, rumors yeah I mean you definitely almost didn't know I mean like for a second I thought I was gone with Derek Jones Jr. Uh, yeah for a few hours there <laughs> we, I think we all did yeah we all did so it's like did you look for houses in Dallas I didn't look for anything but I was just like, ah. it was just a weird time. Um, no, but that's part of the business. You know, it, it comes and goes with the, the territory. And I don't think it's it's personal. It's anything like, you know, they want you out of here or they want somebody else here. I think it's just it's business. I mean, you know, they had the opportunity to, to get an all-star in Jimmy and you know, they were trying to make that work um, you know, whatever way they could. And you know, obviously now we have the fortune to, 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 to you know, have them on our side and, what what happened uh, in the this summer with the injury? Does that change your mind about playing international ball going forward? Or no, I mean, I, I you know, if I could go back, I would do it again. You know, okay, it's, it's you know, obviously a risk you're willing to take, but you're you know you're, you get up in the morning and walk outside, you're taking a risk. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like if you're doing anything physically active, you know, you're lifting weights, you 
you're in here, you know, working on your game. You're playing three on three. You're you're playing pickup. I mean, it's 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 the same risk. So to say that you don't want to get hurt because you're playing internationally, it's it's kind of counterintuitive, really, when you're working out or playing pickup with you know at some local high school or college. I mean, you're you're running the same risk that, that you run playing in the World Cup. It's just you're not playing a you know, sanctioned or international event. So, I'm oh, sorry. So, why do you think that so many guys bowed out of the USA team this year? Because, I mean, everyone's yeah. in open gyms doing pick, yeah, doing pick up games. It's, it's, it's different. I mean, it's definitely a commitment. The thing about, you know, the national teams is um, you don't really have a lot of time to, to work individually on your ah, okay. self and your skills and stuff because you, you do have to play games. You do have to travel to Australia, to China, or wherever you're going. It's, it's, it's taxing your yeah. body. It's, it's tough. It's a long, long, long day. You're, you're, you're practicing for two and a half hours a day. Um, you know, you're eating foreign food, doing yeah. different things. I mean, you're not yeah. staying in hotel rooms. Yeah, staying in hotel rooms. You're not going down to the local gym. It's, no. It's, it's, <laughs> so it's like, you know, the thing is, you, you don't have the same resources there. You don't have the same um, you know, abilities to, you know, guys want and use the summer to take a different step for the game and get better and improve. And um, definitely the USA team, it's not the same. And the Canadian team, you know, I, I play a lot. I, you know, I play like 30, 35 minutes a game. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting opportunities. In the USA team, everybody plays like 15 minutes. <laughs> so it's like, I came all the way out here for this? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, they're all NBA players. They're all, they're all great. They're all, and they're usually beating teams. So it's like, they don't, well, not this summer. Yeah. <laughs> we we, uh, we we know you as a nice guy down here, but obviously you have a reputation that you will go back at guys sometimes. You know, on the court, you, you you'll be physical if you need to be. How are you going to handle sort of Jimmy's uh, practice? The way, he's sort of notorious for going at guys in practice. Do you do you welcome that? Will you talk back to him a little bit? Will you give it yeah, back? I mean, you, you have to welcome that. That's that competitiveness, that fire, that drive that you know, takes your team to the next level. Yeah, I think he's going to ignite some guys, and it's going to be good for us. Um, but you know, that's the way that he like it. You know, they like those guys that live on the edge and have a chip on their shoulder, and um, you know, they embrace that. They love that. And then uh, you, know, you shake it off and you go play together and against the other team. Do you feel this team needed an alpha personality? Like Dwayne was an alpha personality, but obviously Dwayne had been playing a long, 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 long time. It was, it was towards the end of this stage. Jimmy's a little closer to his prime, obviously, than Dwayne was at the end. Do, do you feel that this this team needed someone who's going to get on guys, make sure, other than UD, obviously, who does quite a bit of that, but, but on the court, it, it, to be that kind of person? Because it seems like you've got some guys who kind of want to be that, but they're not, they're young, they're not there quite yet, sort of feeling themselves in their personality. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely something that you need on a team, is to you know, have a, a guy who keeps everybody coming, keeps everybody in tune and focused and not to pass your hand. And you know, I think, yeah, I think it'll be good for us. You know, I mean, I think that it's competitiveness and, uh, like I said, it's fire and drive. Like all that stuff is, you know, sometimes taken the wrong way. And mm-hmm. you know, as long as you take it with, you know, you know, take the message, you know, and not the delivery, it's it, it is it's good. 
Um, what was the biggest thing you learned uh, from Dwayne last year and just seeing the whole last dance and everything that came, that went around it? What, what, did, what was your biggest takeaway from that? I mean, the, the first and foremost thing with everything that went on, I think one thing that you realize is you know, how big Dwayne was. <laughs> Not only in Miami, but everywhere you went. Across the United States, across the world. Like, everywhere we went, there was hundreds of signs that I flew XXXX miles to watch Dwayne Lloyd's last game, whatever whatever it was. You know, 32nd last game. <laughs> they were everywhere. People were, I mean, how big Dwayne was, you know, how well-respected he was. Um, but, you know, just you know, how much of professional he was, you know, on and off the court. And, um, his character is, you know, he's such a high character guy. And, you know, he's an amazing person, an amazing player, but you know, first and foremost, he's an amazing person. Um, you know, treats everybody with respect, treats everybody equally, and uh, you know, really, you know, values all of his teammates and, and the people around him. Speaking on that Dwayne Wade factor, last year coming into camp here, that was the focus. Everyone was excited. He was doing this last year. And it seems like Spo is almost more excited this year. He could not have been counting down to 10 o'clock tomorrow fast enough. Is that the same thing that all you guys as a team are feeling? Do you just want to get going at this? Yeah, of course. I mean, unfortunately, we had a long summer. <laughs> so I think everybody's he said that too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't even know when, like, when the last time we actually played was. Um, you're itching to get back. I mean, you want to play. I mean, that's everybody who loves basketball. You know, they want to get back. They want to play. They want to play together. They want to see what the season has in store. And uh, you know, this is like the, the start of it. So you're kind of like, let's go. Let's go. Two important questions for you to close here. Uh, one, I know you're kind of a hockey guy. You got some ties to the NHL. You're gonna get out to the Panther games this year. You think? Um, maybe. We'll see. Um, they're supposed to be, be good, really but good. Yeah, heard, they're meant to be really good. Well, so. we've heard that for 20 years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. the only problem. Three points out of eight, please. <laughs> Game, games in hand. Yeah. yeah. I know you got some ties there. Uh, but the, the last one, this is the most important question. Uh, Myers has declared himself to be the best-looking white guy on this team. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he has Duncan second. Do, do you want to want to challenge that at all or throw yourself up there? Yeah, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> He's already ranked yet. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. What as long as he has Tyler fourth, because he's he's the rookie. So yeah, he's got to be down there. He should, he should be down there. But actually, this is the final thing after the final thing. I always do this. I always do this. But when you um, again look back at last season, and like there was this questions on minutes, and was he going to play that much? Was it the last your sort of exit interview last year? You seemed a little frustrated. You were calling it in a little bit, but a little bit frustrated about how the year had went. You feel good now? Yeah, I mean, it's just another opportunity. You can't dwell on the past, you know. Past the past. You know, you can either run from it or learn from it. You know? It is what it is. Um, I think it was obviously a good learning experience. I mean, last year was the first year in my career I've got a DNP coach's decision. And I got three of them in a row. Right. Which is like... Yeah, we as like fans that. weren't happy about it. We were sitting there, where's Kelly? <laughs> 
Um, but no, it's uh, yeah, I played seven nine games, and I played eighty two. Um, so it's you know, it's obviously something that you got to deal with. I mean, it's part of being a professional, it's part of being in a team sport. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is, and hopefully the the opportunities are there this year, and you can you know take you know, take them by the horns and really take control in the season. Good way to close. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate it. Enjoy, guys. Take care. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.